This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Good Food Podcast. In this episode, Malika Bazu will be talking to chef and food writer Dean Edwards about his most loved air fry and microwave recipes, plus his favourite dish and a cooking disaster. It was for Stephen Fry. And they cut into it and the disappointment on his face when it was just completely overcooked was something I'll never forget. (laughs) Plus, listen out for Dean's top tip on making your slow cooker even more convenient. Dean Edwards, I am thrilled to have you in studio. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I believe you've made a trek from Bristol with a very special parcel you've left behind there. Congratulations on your new baby. I know, I know. Yes, it's... uh... It's pretty crazy um, at my age, doing it all again. Um, I've actually got a 14-year-old daughter, but now I've got a six-week-old daughter as well. So um, I think I was saying to my wife the other day, it's, I think you forget how hard it is the first time round, or you possibly would never do it again. Uh, <laughs> lots well, of look, sleepless nights, you know? Of course, I remember them well. But, you know, those are the best things you've cooked, yes? Absolutely. Let's be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> um, which brings me on very nicely to your latest cookbooks, which look and sound tremendous, because we all need to wrap our heads around using the microwave better um, and also using these air fryers. So tell me more. How did you sort get inspired to do this? I kind of got inspired um, during the energy crisis Mm. when we were all looking at ways to save money um, and slow cookers, air fryers and microwaves are all very energy efficient ways to cook because I think it was that first time in, in especially my lifetime where I had to consider the cost of cooking something along with the cost of the ingredients that you were using so you had to kind of factor that in. So I'd already written two slow cooker books, so I was kind of already on board with mm-hmm. with that, and I love my slow cooker. Um, and I was hearing lots and lots about air fryers, and I'm like, are they as good as what everyone's saying? And I just didn't want to be that person, you know, to go because people who have air fryers they shout about them from the from the rooftops. They really do, don't they? They're yeah, like they new do. converts or something. They are. They are. It's, they it's love very, it. It's very clicky the air fryer community, you know. And if you don't like air fryers, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I was very sceptical. And then I got one and I'm, I've become one of those people, How? you know. Oh, no, Dean, you're not the air fryer <laughs> bore, are you? I am the air fryer <laughs> bore, amongst many other things. Um, but do you know what? I just find it so convenient as a way to cook. And once I got my head around the fact that I think the name air fryer does it a disservice, because my dad had an air fryer for many years, and I was like, what is this thing in your kitchen? And when I finally kind of got my head around it, the fact is basically a mini fan oven. I see, yes. That's, that's interesting You know, it doesn't way. fry. I just, I thought it was a, a healthier way to fry food. And I don't eat a lot of fried food, you know. Like, don't get me wrong, we all like a, a little treat now and then. But for me, once I actually kind of got my head around the fact, it's basically a small oven that cooks food 
really nice and quickly. And it also, because of the way and the nature of the air fryer, you can almost recreate that crispy fried food kind of element without the frying element, if without that makes sense. Without the frying sense. element. So that's really interesting. We covered air fryers in 2022. That was actually the first series I did. And there was much talk about whether it was worth getting, you know, how it was very energy efficient. Um, and we sort of covered it in some detail. Um, but of course, now fast forward this this many months later, in fact, a year and a bit later. So the burning question I have to ask you, because I still don't have one, is it worth getting an air fryer? Well, for two reasons. The first reason, we've already spoke about the energy efficiency. So there is obviously an outlay when it comes to buying an air fryer. But I think if you use it, and I, I was one of these people, I thought I would use it on occasion. So I would get it out and I would put it away. And then when I wanted it in a couple of weeks time, I would get it again and I'd use it. It stayed on the side. Did it? And I use it. And I probably only used my conventional oven maybe a handful of times in the, in the past year. One of them being around Christmas, you know, when you can't quite no, you can't. fit it all in the air fryer. Um, I'm, I'm converted. Oh, I, I really am. So, so this I, is a big I, fat yes. Yeah, absolutely. You need to get one. So eventually it will pay itself off by what you're saving on your energy bills. But secondly, what a convenient way to cook. Mm. I think you should do it. Okay, well. And we, you can blame me if you don't like it. Fine. So that's the air fryer. We're big fans of the air fryer. The microwave is an interesting yes. one because the microwave is almost the opposite challenge, isn't it? With a lot of us have it. I just don't think we use it as effic- effectively and efficiently as we ought to. Exactly. I think that was a challenge for me with the microwave because I think 95% of households in the UK own a microwave. And 90%, I was actually, I would say 95% of <laughs> families in the UK don't use the microwave to its full potential. You know, and to be honest with you, before I started to think about cooking in a microwave, not just rewarming food or cups of tea and coffee that I've forgotten about, you know, I'm one of these people, make a cup of tea, 10 minutes later, oh, it's cold. Microwave. Chuck it in the and then I, then I, can't I forget believe you're about admitting this. You are admitting this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm one, of the, I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> So I started to think about ways to cook in a microwave. And with the air fryer book, it was quite easy because you can almost translate things you can cook in the oven will translate to an air fryer. When I started to think about recipes for the microwave, it was like, okay, I'm actually starting from scratch here. How do I cook chicken in a microwave without it? going rubbery Mm. you know how am i going to convince people that cooking in the microwave you can actually cook from scratch and cook fantastic food in the microwave and to be honest with you i think of all the books i've written that's the one i'm most proud of because i really think i had to go right to the well for inspiration and and obviously we we do eat with our eyes as well so you know for a lot of microwaves some have browning functions on them, you know, with the with the built-in kind of grills and stuff. But I wanted to keep it basic, mm-hmm. you know, 800-watt microwave, just the pretty standard, you know, no bells and whistles on there. You just press full power for X amount of time and you're going to create some great food. So for me, it was a huge challenge to do that. I mean, I think some of the recipes I created in there um, are, I mean, I don't like to blow me on trumpet, but I think they're unbelievable because... It's changed the way that I cook in the kitchen as well. I, I was always a bit of a purist. You know, you kind of think, oh, if I'm cooking a risotto, I have to stand at the stove for 40 minutes, ladle it in, hot stock, like constantly stirring. You know, otherwise it won't be very good. 
I cracked a microwave recipe. Okay, 14 minutes. You stir you it once. And I'm telling you what, that, I'm you? telling you now, that you is. would not know the difference. Actually, I think my version in the microwave is even better. Really? And what is this recipe just out of interest? Um, do you know what? It's, it's, a, it's a classic risotto recipe. So it's a method of cooking ah. the, the risotto rice, but you can add kind of whatever you whatever you, you, like. you like to it. I, oh, lo- wow. I love to do a butternut squash, maybe a bit of chorizo in there, some blue cheese. You know, you can kind of go so to So then same. you've got this base recipe and once you've mastered how to cook the risotto rice, the world becomes Anything yours. Anything goes, really, yeah. That's very yeah, clever. Definitely. And I'm all about that with cooking because I don't take food and recipes as being completely literal because I like to think even like the risotto recipe, it can be a base recipe, but if you've got, I don't know, a butternut squash or some sweet potato in the fridge or some carrot or peas, what that needs using up, it can go in. It can go in. You know, it's it. all about using up the, the food that we have in our fridge. Yes, and that's a really good point you make because butternut squash is one of those things that I would normally, pre what is now known as the cosy living crisis, and, you know, the, it's been a tough time for lots of us. And, um, you know, I would not think about cutting a butternut squash in half or a pumpkin and just shoving it in, quartering a pumpkin and putting it in the oven. Well, when I would really think about that now, I have done for many, many months. And so the other day I took a pumpkin, I had I bought half a pumpkin, I quartered that up and then stabbed it and put it in the microwave. And I was blown away in 15, 20 minutes. I had this perfectly soft cooked pumpkin. Half of it went in the freezer and the other half I just used up as and when in whatever, you know. And so I, there is a lot of potential. There's limitless potential. There's limitless potential. And and you know what? I think uh, I, I, I loved it on uh, Professional MasterChef recently. So... A lot of restaurants actually use microwaves in their kitchen as a, as a way of cooking. And what I loved seeing on the recent series of professional master chefs, a guy called Tom who actually went on to win the show when he was doing his skills test. Um, Marcus asked him a question. He said, "Have you ever done this before?" And he said, "No." Chef Mike does that. And Marcus was like, "Well, who's Chef Mike?" He said, "Yeah, the microwave." Ah, uh, you love know, and, that. And, and a lot of a lot of professional chefs don't like to showcase that they use microwaves as their their way of cooking but i know for a fact a lot of restaurants cook their vegetables in the microwave so something like broccoli long stem broccoli you know these ingredients can kind of get cooked in minutes and they're beautiful and they still retain that lovely crunch have that lovely color and, and you don't lose most, the color yeah, in the water and do most you? importantly that flavor because whenever you boil something you know you boil some broccoli up the water turns green it's like, well, that's flavor coming out, you know? So there's there's definitely a place for microwaves. I really do think people just don't see the potential of using the microwave at home. So I'm hoping to change that perception. I think you're doing a brilliant job. I mean, goodness, you know, you're like a one-man walking ambassador <laughs> for, for the unsung hero that is the microwave in our kitchens. You talked about having a daughter and presumably cooking for the family is a big thing. And I hope you're going to be doing most of the cooking now anyway because you've got this baby. Well, I do all the anyway. cooking anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you into a little secret. My wife is, um, is a terrible cook. Now, Liz... <laughs> You have to forgive me. I think you know this yourself. But, Liz, um, <laughs> do not ever forgive him. He is in so much trouble. I am in trouble. But you know what? I think as long as we've got one person in the house that likes to cook, then you pretty much got to settle. And actually, I, I love to cook at home and I love to cook for people. So that's kind of my job. You know, we 
we, we, we do our own things that add our bits to the household and, and cooking's mine. But it's, it's where I get a lot of pleasure. So I've always cooked. I, I grew up in a family where we loved food. Oh. My nan was... So you took my next question away because oh, okay. I was going to ask you about what it was like growing up. And yeah. Tell me more. So people always say nans cook the best food, don't they? They really do, you though. Know? Yeah, they do. They do. And I, I had two fantastic nans. And one of my nans, my, my dad's mum, was from Cape Town in South Africa. And we're from a, a Cape Malay mm. background. And my nan used to cook the most incredible curries and bradies, which are like South African stews. And like every time we went down her house, there was always a pot of something mm. cooking away on the stove. And you walk in and you just smell it, you know, and it was just like, oh. That sounds amazing. so good. And, you know, my other nan was very classic in the way that she cooked. So we had kind of the best of both both worlds. But growing up in a family where we loved food, I think that was my inspiration because the family part has always revolved around food. There was always pots mm. and pots of food that you could just go and help yourself to. And I think that was really where I got my love of food. And it wasn't anything that I ever imagined I would end up doing for a living. It was sure. just something that I I did because I loved to cook and I love to eat food. And I think that's that's the key thing. That it starts like that, doesn't it? So this stew, because South Africa's well known for of course the stews, but also there's the braai, right? Which I think translates to burn. Yeah. It's yeah. the burn, isn't it? That's Which right, yes. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all about barbecuing. And right. again, that's something that I'm I'm quite passionate about as well, you know. I, I think when, when people ask, you know, and uh, again, I will refer back to the air fryer kind of thing where they say, you know, what's best, air fryer, microwave, oven, you know, there's a place for everything, you know, there's so many different things and methods to cook and everything has its place. So yeah, and, and, and obviously being a bit South African, I do love, I do love a barbecue. You do love a barbecue. So tell me about a dish that you remember from, you know, from your childhood that, you know, has special memories for you, like maybe one of the stews. I don't know. What yeah, would you no, it, say? it would be. Um, so a little bit of history to, mm. to my family. So my, my nan was born and grew up in Cape Town. My granddad was in the Navy and he was stationed in Cape Town. He met my nan the rest is history. So Aww. she came She came to the UK in the 50s and with these amazing South African dishes with names my granddad couldn't pronounce. Okay? <laughs> so instead of it being tomato brady, I, I'm not going to try and do the way my nan used to say it, it was tomato food. And there was another uh, tuna biryani which got translated to fish food. You know, it doesn't mm. sound very appetizing, but these were the two dishes that really molded my childhood I think so tomato brady is a lamb stew so tomatoes potatoes spices chili oh. and it's just cooked slowly and my nan always used to you know, big big family mm. okay so very cheap cuts of meat of course um, great so, for stews yeah absolutely so my nan used to use scrag end of lamb which was the, the the neck with with the bone in you know and it was just kind of cooked down for hours and it used to just fall off the bone mm. and the flavour was just incredible so that to me, is probably the dish that I reminisce about the most. My, my nan, unfortunately, passed away when I was 10. Oh, so it's so a long time ago now, but I still remember a food like it was yesterday. Did, yeah. And no matter how many times I try and cook it, it's never like it is. No. It is so never what spices good. went into it So then? do you know what? Just very, very simple, actually. It was just chilli. There's, there's a little bit of cumin in there. Um, the key ingredient, actually, believe it or not, is something that my nan taught me many, many years ago um, because of the really long cooking process. And 
the cooking of the tomato, it goes slightly acidic. So the key, and she always said to me, like, you know, this is the key to this. It was sugar. Sugar, tiny bit of sugar. I was it was a sugar say, just at yes. the end. And it just, you can't taste it in there. Just balances but it you, out. But you'd know if it wasn't in there. Um. And I think that was really the, kind of the first lesson in cooking that I kind of got. It was how to balance mm. flavours in, in food. And, and that was kind of key to me. Yeah, it sounds or, amazing. And so two questions for you. One is, how do you actually eat that? Is that with bread or is it like veg? Or? Well, we, we tend to eat it with rice. Mm. I mean, there's potatoes already in it, but... If you have it with roast potatoes, and I know this is not very South African, okay? I'm going to get told off by okay, my family is, over in Cape Town. This is your extraordinary <laughs> cultural heritage. Exactly, exactly. With roasters, it's, it's amazing. Mm. Um, I mean, there's there's a there's a fantastic South African dish called bunny chow. Oh, yes. Which is like kind of a, a curry which is served in a hollowed out bread roll. And that that's pretty special. That's also excellent, isn't it? <laughs> And so this sounds, this stew that you've just described, sounds like it would be perfect in a slow cooker. Well, yes. So absolutely. I think, again, when, when we've, we did touch on energy efficient cooking and the cost of ingredients. So the slow cooker can really lead you to um, using the so-called inexpensive cuts of meat. And... They're cheaper because they take a little bit more love and a little bit more work. And for me, the slow cooker does that for you. Okay. So funnily enough, I, I think there are two ways to kind of look at slow cooker food and, and recipes and cooking. And, and you can almost overcomplicate it, I think, sometimes. And I've been guilty of that. One of the other things my nan used to, used to tell me was you need to love your onions. So whenever she was cooking a curry, that was my job as a kid. I've still got a picture of me stirring the I onions love as that. a kid. And, you know, to go home absolutely humming of onion hey, and garlic. That's the toughest but food prep job. It is, it is. You know, when I was looking above the, the pot. Look, you developed all this love for food. Exactly. Irrespective. Exactly. That's impressive. And so I kind of knew that that was an incredible base to a curry. So I tried to translate that into some of my earlier slow cooker recipes. But then I kind of thought, are you not doing slow cooker food for also the energy efficient kind of nature of it? And, and the food is great, but also for convenience. Because mm. a lot of people like to put their slow cooker on in the morning before they go to work, let it do its thing, and they come home and they've got a meal ready. So actually, my newer slow cooker recipes very much catered to that convenient kind of factor. I, I kind of call them dumpy recipes, mm. where you just get the ingredients and you dump them in. And you let the slow cooker do the work. And actually... There is a lot of faffing when it comes to cooking and you can kind of try a little bit too hard sometimes for marginal little bits. Yeah. Of, do, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, marginally, it might taste that little bit better, but you've spent an extra hour prepping the ingredients. So sometimes it's just all about convenience. And, and funnily enough, I kind of I listen to what my audience is, is telling me sometimes, you know, and and funnily enough, it. I think my whole ethos on food changed a few years ago. And believe it or not, I was in the queue for the fish and chip shop. This was, this was during the COVID times. <laughs> this you know? this so conversation really I know, dropped It's a bit. a bit random, isn't it? You know, um, I had a little tap on the shoulder and a lady behind me sort of turned around and said, and said look, Dean, I love your recipes. And she said, do you know what I love about it? She said, you don't mess about. Mm. You, if you would have started to cook off the onions and all that business mm. beforehand, 
I would have scrolled past, but you didn't. I'm not a very confident cook, and they were perfect for me. And and it was just, I thought, there's something in that. There's definitely a, a market for people who, who are not confident when it comes to food and cooking, and they don't want those extra processes. They really don't. And also there's a time and place, isn't there? Absolutely. It's like there are days, so I will often, and I'm exactly this person you're describing, where I'd like to dump stuff somewhere, and I come home to an amazing meal, and you've made me regret giving away my slow cooker. <laughs> so now there's another thing to there's worry about. There's another one. So yes. air fryer, oh, slow cooker, goodness. you're invested in the Are you going to buy me a new kitchen? I'm, so I'm, I have I'm, more work to It sounds like I'm going to have to, aren't I? <laughs> um, but you know what, though? This, this is the thing. I am finding now, because obviously I'm a parent to a newborn baby, time is as the essence. So like a dumpy slow cooker meal is perfect. But what I was going to say is actually a slow cooker, whereas the air fryer is a financial investment, you know, that has to be thought about because, you know, it is a big investment. A slow cooker can cost under 20 quid. So Mm. that can get paid back in terms of the energy efficient kind of bills a lot quicker than than an air fryer. So, I mean, I love my slow cooker, and I've got I've got a few of them because I keep you know is. I'm always testing recipes. Where are and, you putting them? Have you like cleared out a bedroom to put all well, your air fryers don't, in? The, the, the missus goes mad because there's bet. cooking equipment everywhere. She's literally <laughs> screaming at this podcast right now. Um, but I have some questions for you, which are we'd love some confessions because we're now talking okay. about real life, real cooking. You know, your biggest cooking disaster. Oh, do you know what it? it the one that I've kind of never lived down was during my MasterChef experience, which was a long time ago now, way back in 2006. So we're, we're talking coming up to 20 years and I've, I've never forgotten it and I've never been allowed to forget it by my friends. So my biggest, um, my biggest fail was um, overcooking a chocolate fondant on MasterChef, but not only that, it was for Stephen Fry. So, you know, I got the opportunity to cook for an amazing dinner party. I think Stephen Fry was there, Griff Reese Jones, some really big oh, hitters in the really world of TV. Celeb laden, and, isn't it? But you know what what really disappointed me was the look on their face because it looked the part. Oh. A chocolate and pistachio chocolate fondant. And they were like, mmm, this looks good. And they cut into it and the disappointment on his face when it was just completely overcooked was Something I'll never forget. So. My heart is breaking for you. <laughs> I feel so sad to hear that. It was a shocker. Genuinely. Um, have you ever served anything ready-made and pretended that you made it? Um, I don't think so. Good. I don't think so. This is good. You're a good man. Um, no. Good. Guilty pleasure. Or, like, I will say, my guilty pleasure uh, is not anything kind of outlandish. It's chocolate. See, lots of people say chocolate. But not, you know, not, not expensive chocolate. I okay. just like... Like milk chocolate or duck? I like milk chocolate. I know what your I... guilty pleasure is, actually. I think your guilty pleasure is putting a stew on the hob for seven hours. Well, there... I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> or in a slow cooker. Or in a slow cooker. The slow cooker's on brand. Yeah. I can't imagine you cooking anything on a hob <laughs> and stirring for hours. Well, I used to. Well, there you go. Not not that much anymore. No, no, exactly. That's a good thing. Um, I have some quick fire questions. Let's go. But they are quick fire questions, okay? One no... word answers. See how you go. Right. See how you go. Least favorite kitchen job? Washing up. Oh, surely you have minions, no? No, 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 oh. no. And, and I'll tell you what. See, I said I was going to keep it short. Again, the missus 
I think she does a bad job on it just so I get frustrated because, you know, when people load a dishwasher, there's no order to it. Nothing's been rinsed off. No. Do you know what I mean? So it's not I good. think she does a bad job. So I do it. So you then do it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Favourite kitchen job? Or I think, let's let's go back to my child. It's, it's, it's stirring those onions. Oh. The smell of garlic and onions and sometimes fresh ginger mm. just cooking down in a load of oil or butter is is a smell I will never forget and it always takes me back to my childhood. Yeah, so it's a good smell. I one. remember it well as well. It crosses so many cultures. It does. It does. It? And it's the base for so many so incredible much. cuisines. So much. Um, your perfect sandwich, what would it have in it? Do you know what? This is, I should have used this for the guilty pleasure. It's a crisp sandwich. Is it? Crisp sandwich. Man. You have the cheapest white bread, about half a centimetre thick of butter, and a packet of salt and vinegar crisps, or prawn cocktail crisps. Prawn cocktail, that's and an interesting one. It's, it's the crunch down. Just before, just before you can cut, it's the crunch down, it all smashes, and that is a thing of beauty. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the best kitchen tip you've ever been given? Oh, do you know what? One of the tips I remember the most was, um, again, I hop back to my MasterChef experience, and, and a lot of people who love the show, they watch it, and, and one of the questions I get asked the most about that particular show is, is kind of what happens sort of behind the scenes. And I, I always remember sort of John pulling me aside one day and, and saying to me, look, you know, I, I've been watching you chop onions and I want to show you the proper way to do it, you know? And, and that always kind of stuck with me. And, uh, and I love that. And it, it, it was literally a split second tip and he showed me and it, it took 10 Come seconds. Come on, then tell us. This, I know this is quick, fun, well, but tell when, us how when, you chop the perfect onion. So when I was slicing onions, I was slicing them across the grain. Mm-hmm. So almost I was getting little semicircles of, mm-hmm, of onion. Mm-hmm. And he said, do it the other way. And you go against the grain and it's the, kind of got that natural shape you can follow with your hand as well. So it's a lot quicker. I will say, I think... I'm the fastest onion chopper in the world. Do you have a trusted recipe? Is there something that is your go-to you just keep coming back to? There's one dish that the wife puts her order in for, and we have it, you know, at least once a week now, and it's it's a occasion pasta, believe it or not. Again, it's kind of mixing different cuisines. You know, I'm going to get get a bit of stick probably, but... It's just kind of beautiful, like a little bit of chorizo in there, some Cajun seasoning, a few spices, a bit of mascarpone cheese in the pasta. Mm. Oh, my God, it's so simple, it's but like it's amazing. It's a Cajun amazing. spice pasta. You're not saying it's necessarily from somewhere well, or no, authentic. Well, no, it's definitely, it's definitely not authentic <laughs> at good, all. Good, good. <laughs> it sounds delicious. I must try it. <laughs> um, is there a most overrated food? Is there something you just don't see what the fuss is about? Um, I mean, there, there are plenty. I mean, the one food that I tried and... I just can't get my head around oysters. Oh, they are not the one. You really? Is yeah. it the texture? I, I think they're a bit pointless, really. Oh. I mean, when when people say they taste of the sea, what? I'd go and have a bit of seawater or something. What's the absolute worst thing you've ever eaten, though? Ooh. Do you know what? I've always been been the sort of person that I'll always try something once. Um, again, in terms of texture, oysters are mm. are, are definitely. Um, I'm definitely not the one. My, I'll phrase it in a slightly different way. I've got one food sort of phobia. I I could not put a cherry tomato in my mouth and burst it. 
Really? So that's probably the worst thing. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah, it's Why? just weird. I don't know. Um, a food that your family just got. I mean, what does your wife absolutely hate you eating and just can't get with the program? Um, nothing. Wow. And that is why we get on so well. We we love food. Just I, I well. Mean, I'm just going to make a quick note. True love. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> and your ultimate comfort food. Oh, I, I mean... It's 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 got to be probably the tomato food. Um, oh, I, I love curry as well. Oh, I love curry. That's the see. first thing. When if we ever go away on holiday, the first thing I want to get back. So lots yeah. going on for you at the moment, Dean. You're still sort of in cookbook promotion phase, and now you've cooked up this beautiful new baby at home. And uh, you know, what are you most optimistic for? What are you looking forward to the most? Do you know what? Every year's completely different if someone would have said to me nearly 20 years ago when I first started my journey in food that I'd still be working in food I just wouldn't have believed them you know so I feel very very blessed to have had the opportunity to do the things that I've done you know to have done as much tv as I've done in the past incredible the the experience of meeting some of the people cooking for some of the people I've cooked for. I cooked for David Jason once, you know, and like being from Bristol, Only Fools and Horses, where a lot of it was filmed, he's an absolute legend around. I got to cook for him. I cooked him some monge too as well, which was, uh, yeah, I don't know how that went down. In the microwave. No, not not that time, but I should have (laughs) done. I I pinched myself to have written six cookbooks. I'd been like, wow, you know, just incredible. I think the plan for me is just to keep trying to evolve. I think with social media, it's become a huge part of our our lives over the recent years, and I didn't even really do any before mm. before, before COVID kind of happened in the lockdowns, where for, for once we had a little bit of time on our hands, and I was like, okay, I'll put a bit of time in, and and actually I find myself doing a lot of stuff on social media, so I'm going to keep trying to develop what I do on there. I, I post recipes almost daily across my platforms, and. Just trying to share my love of food and my kind of simple cooking ethos. And not necessarily all about the air fryer or microwave or slow cooker. Huge mixture because I like to show the way that I cook at home. You know, sure, I use sure. lots and lots of different methods. I use, I, I love different cuisines from all around the world. And our multicultural society is, is incredible in, in the fact that we have got so many amazing cuisines on our doorsteps now. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to have been exposed to a lot of them growing up uh, and also now, uh, you know, as, as a foodie, as, a, as an adult. So I love to take inspiration from different cuisines. You know, don't get me wrong. They're not all authentic, my versions of As long of them. as you say you're getting inspiration, exactly, that's fine. Exactly. You know, you're not um, pretending they're but anything I, but they are. But I love to try new things, new flavors, new ingredients and then showcase them. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm trying to sort of do is just make food simple for people. It sounds lovely. And, you know, people will relate to that, right? You've seen that, is that, you know, people do lead lead these busy lives. We do need gadgets in the kitchen and there are lots of pressures on many fronts. So I think it is wonderful. And uh, thank you very much for sharing. Good luck. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'm going to obviously go and buy an air fryer (laughs) and a slow cooker immediately. Um, But that was really interesting talking to you and thank you so much for making the trip and no, thank you so much for having me the baby and your wife and the family thank you so much lovely to meet you lovely to meet you too thanks Dean. thank you for listening to this episode of the good food podcast 
Join us next week for a special Pancake Day episode where our good friend Chelsea Collins will be telling us all about how to make the perfect pancake. And don't forget, our bonus cook-along episode is out on Thursday. For more recipes and inspiration, please visit bbcgoodfood.com. Bye.